Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, July 19th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Well, this is a little milestone of sorts. It's the 100th episode of the Friday Gold Wrap. See, you folks had no idea because I don't say the numbers with the episodes, but I do number my show notes, and this is indeed the century mark. I feel like we should enjoy some cake or something, but of course, it's early in the morning. Then again, cake is an appropriate breakfast food. Don't argue that with me. So go ahead, grab a piece of cake, and we'll cover some precious metals news. Now, I know this is the Friday gold wrap, but since this is a momentous occasion and all, we're going to go off script a little bit and actually start by talking a little bit about silver. The white metal had something of a breakout this week. It pushed through the key $16 level and is now trading at around $16.39 an ounce. Of course, gold had it one heck of a week as well. It was up as much as $23 at one point yesterday. I'll get to that in a second. But the most interesting move in the silver market came on Tuesday when gold was actually down about 8 bucks as the dollar got a boost thanks to stronger than expected retail sales numbers. But silver at that point was up about 19 cents. Now this isn't a huge rise, but it drove a bigger increase in silver stocks. Some were up as much as 10%. Peter Schiff talked about this on his podcast. He pointed out that the real significance was that silver was up even though gold was down. This helped narrow the silver-gold ratio a bit, pushing it back below 90 to 1. The silver-gold ratio has been way out of whack for months. I've talked about it several times on this podcast. In recent weeks, it has been well above 90 to 1, and it's approached 93 to 1. The modern average over the last century is around 40 to 1, so that tells us that silver is significantly undervalued compared to gold. The fact that silver went up, while gold was falling, could signal that silver is about to start playing catch-up. As I record this podcast, the silver-gold ratio is just over 88 to 1. Now, this is still a really, really big spread, and that means it's still a good opportunity to buy silver. But as one analyst put it, silver had a delayed reaction to the prospect of central bank stimulus and appears to be playing catch-up. Peter said the move in silver also signals the gold bull market is about to really kick into high gear. Silver and gold typically rise together in a gold bull market. In fact, silver almost always outperforms gold. I think a lot of investors are still a little bit skeptical about gold. They were concerned that the recent breakout might be a false alarm, so they weren't buying silver. Peter said he thinks some investors were hedging their long golds by being short silver. He said he thinks there's been a lot of spread trading and perhaps the rise in silver on Tuesday was driven by investors covering that trade. This is a bullish development for both gold and silver. It indicates that more people are beginning to embrace this bull market and want to get on board, so they're starting to buy silver too. As Peter said, if we're going to go to new highs in gold, if gold is going to take out 1900 and Peter thinks it is, silver should outperform. You know, if you look at how cheap silver is right now compared to gold, the upside has probably never been this great. 
Lobo Tigre with Kitco News added another bit of analysis to this. He said market conditions now seem similar to those prevailing the last time silver went into one of its mini manias. That was 2010-2011. At the time, precious metals were rising, but the real key was that silver is largely a byproduct of industrial metal mines. In other words, a lot of silver comes from mines that are primarily producing copper and other industrial metals. Bad economic news created negative expectations for that output, so some people might be anticipating a supply crunch. And the truth of the matter is, there is already a bit of a squeeze on silver supply. Keep in mind, silver is a key component in a lot of the green energy technology, particularly solar panels. So demand has been pretty solid. It was up 4% and hit a three-year high in 2018. Meanwhile, silver mine production fell off for the third straight year, dropping 2% in 2018. So there already are good supply and demand fundamentals for silver. Gold has had a great week so far, too, other than the aforementioned drop on Tuesday. The yellow metal started its push on Wednesday as the dollar weakened in anticipation of a Fed rate cut. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell reiterated in a speech in Paris that the economic outlook hasn't improved since the last Federal Open Market Committee meeting in June. That sets the stage for an interest rate cut next week. Fed Vice Chair John Williams also made some dovish comments, and that pushed gold even higher yesterday. The yellow metal surged above 1450, hitting its highest level since May 2013. Now, there's been some profit taking this morning, and we're currently around 1439 as I record the podcast. Now, beyond the Federal Reserve and the trade war and these swings in the precious metals markets, there's a couple of things that I've been keeping a really close eye on over the last several months that don't get reported on a whole lot, and I think are really, really important, like big picture kind of things that we really need to be aware of. First, consumer credit. Americans are still running up their credit cards and setting new debt records in the process. Now, the markets were downright giddy about the stronger-than-expected June retail sales numbers that we got this week. Yep, Americans are buying a lot of stuff, but they're borrowing a lot of money to do it. The real question is just how sustainable is this? American consumers took on another $17.1 billion in debt in May, according to the latest data released by the Federal Reserve. This comes on the heels of a $17.5 billion increase in April. Americans currently owe nearly $4.9 trillion, so May was another all-time record. Consumer debt figures include credit card debt, student loans, and auto loans, so we're not even talking about mortgage debt. Revolving credit surged up another $7.2 billion in May, so that's mostly credit cards. That represents an 8.2% increase. Americans now owe over $1.7 trillion in credit card debt. Non-revolving credit, primarily auto loans and student loans, also increased, going up about 3.9% to nearly $3.2 trillion in May. The mainstream views increasing consumer debt as a positive. Business Insider reported consumers are the lone bright spot in the economic outlook as business investment and manufacturing have been looking weaker. So the continued growth in credit is seen as a positive sign for growth in coming months. We also hear pundits saying increasing credit card bills are good because it shows Americans feel comfortable taking on more debt. 
Of course, there's nothing in any of these statistics to prove this. It's just as likely consumers are running up their credit card balances because they can't afford to pay their bills. If Americans are working and earning more and enjoying the benefits of the tax cuts and the great employment market, why are they running up credit cards? It seems just as likely they are charging it because they can't make ends meet. And what happens to the U.S. economy when the credit cards get maxed out? How long can an economic expansion built on debt actually last? Look, at some point, you got to pay the credit card bills. The other thing I've been watching pretty closely is the continuing Chinese sell-off of U.S. debt. The Chinese divested themselves of U.S. Treasuries for the third straight month, selling off another $2.8 billion in bonds in May. The month before, China dumped $7.5 billion in U.S. debt, and that followed on the heels of the biggest U.S. Treasury sell-off by the Chinese in nearly two and a half years in March. Over the last three months alone, the Chinese have shed $20.3 billion in U.S. debt. Now, China is still the biggest U.S. creditor. Even a long-term pause in Chinese bond purchases could become problematic for the U.S. as it tries to sell billions of dollars in additional treasuries in order to fund the ballooning deficits. There was more news on the deficit front this week as Congress considers raising the debt ceiling yet again. I'll put an article about that on the show notes page. Now, the Chinese don't have a lot of leverage when it comes to tariffs, but they can create problems for the U.S. government if they keep dumping treasuries on the market. Uncle Sam needs buyers, not sellers. Speaking of debt, the enormous amount of debt out there is one of the reasons hedge fund king Ray Dalio said we are about to see a major paradigm shift and investors should be buying gold. I'll link to an article about this in the show notes page because I really don't have time to get into all of the details of his analysis here. But what he's saying really dovetails with what Peter's been saying. In a nutshell, the Fed is going to try stimulus again to keep the bubbles inflated, but it's not going to work this time. Dalio said, I think that it is highly likely that sometime in the next few years, one, central banks will run out of stimulant to boost the markets and the economy when the economy is weak, and two, there will be an enormous amount of debt and non-debt liabilities, e.g. pensions and health care, that will increasingly be coming due and won't be able to be funded with assets. Dalio said the things that investors are focused on now are unlikely to be good, real returning investments, and those that will most likely do best are those that do well when the value of money is being depreciated and domestic and international conflicts are significant, such as gold. A shift gold precious metal specialist can explain all of this to you in more detail, along with the potential breakout in silver, and they can help you figure out how to best position yourself. Just call one 888-GOLD-160. Well, that is a gold wrap for this week. I hope you enjoyed episode 100 of the podcast. You can get more details on all of the stories that we covered and more, and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes, or you can just subscribe to the Shift Gold YouTube channel and get it there. You'll find links for all this stuff on the show notes page. If you're listening on YouTube, please feel free to share your thoughts on this week's gold news in the comments section. We are always happy to hear what you have to say. I'm excited to tell you that we're going to have a new It's Your Dime interview coming out in the next week or so. I talked with Alex Merced. He's the vice chair of the Libertarian Party. He's also a trainer on Wall Street and uh, 
has a whole bunch of economic videos. So we're going to talk a lot of economics and economic education. So you can look for that over at the Shift Gold website. Until then, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.